Welcome to the where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus in all things. And where our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. My name is Amos Williams. I'm one of the staff members here at the Village Church. And we just want to stand to uh, welcome you guys. Welcome everybody that's here live and in person. Y'all are beautiful people, looking beautiful. So we're glad that you all are here with us today. And we want to welcome uh, our guests who are joining us via uh, Facebook Live as well. Now, I stand to give a couple of announcements. I've got my cell phone up here. I promise y'all I'm not texting, but i got a whole bunch of announcements, okay, which is different because we haven't been having a whole lot of announcements. All right, so let's see what we got here. Uh, so, of course, we're going to continue our uh, uh, evenings and times of prayer on Wednesday night. And so we um, we would encourage you all uh, to continue to join us, or if uh, you haven't had an opportunity to join us, to join us on Wednesday nights as we pray for the church and for the world as well. Uh, so today, uh, May 16th, we're going to continue in the sermon series, uh, The Way, the text is Matthew 14, uh, verses 13 through 21. After worship on today, the youth will meet uh, with Lyle Lee, uh, so uh, please go ahead and check, every, check in with him uh, because the uh, youth are going to be meeting today. Uh, so, some more exciting news, uh, the men in officer training have their final session today uh, from 2 to 4 p.m., uh, so please uh, be in prayer uh, for them. Uh, we also will remind you that on May 23rd, we have our congregational meeting. Also, um, some really exciting news. Uh, last year uh, for Juneteenth, uh, one of our members who I just mentioned a, a moment ago, Lyle Lee, hosted a drive-through barbecue. And uh, we were privileged as the Village Church uh, to partner with him in various ways. And so I'm happy to announce we're going to be doing that again this year. Uh, oh, yeah, it was a great event. Uh, we had a lot of, lot of fun uh, doing that. And so... Uh, the event will take place on uh, June 19th from 11 a.m. Uh, to 1 p.m. So we have more details that will be coming out to the church. So keep your uh, emails open because uh, we'll be giving you more information on how we're going to partner again this year with Lyle. Uh, and prayerfully, that will be a great success as it was last year. So uh, those are your announcements. Please remember to follow us on our various social media um, uh, platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Announcements coming from the congregation. Okay, cool. Well, those are your announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. Let's uh, go. Uh, oh, we have words of preparation this morning. So let's center our hearts and minds these words of preparation from Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's go before the Lord in a time of silent preparation. and cheer and exalt and exult in the fact that you are God, you are the creator of heaven and earth. God, we thank you that you have introduced yourself to us, that you took initiative to let us know that you are real through your spirit and through your word. Lord, we gather today to celebrate 
Lord, we ask that uh, in this time that, uh, that, that Spirit, that you would uh, you would be in our midst in special ways. Lord. We we are as believers. We have brought you here with us today. But pray, Spirit, that right now, even even now, that you would begin to work in our hearts, to work in our lives, uh, to grant faith and repentance uh, for those who have not made that profession of faith yet, but that you would also grant faith and repentance for those of us who have believed, but that still have a need to, to grow in Christ. So Lord, we pray that uh, you would continue to conform us all, even in this gathering, to the image of the Son. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made at Calvary. Help us to center our hearts and minds on the fact that you rose from the dead and if you can raise from the dead, there is nothing that is impossible for you. Lord, help us to center our hearts and minds on the fact that the Spirit is inside of us and that it comforts and, and, and leads and guides and directs us. Help us to rejoice in the fact that we get to look forward and hope to the day that we will be in the presence of God forever and ever and we will sing holy, holy, holy with the church throughout all of history. Lord, help us to center our hearts and minds on the, the celebration and reality that you are real and that you are present and that you care. Prepare us, Lord, as we look to worship you right now. We thank you that you've brought us here as brothers and sisters to encourage one another, but also to look to you. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that I do pray. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. If you would please stand for our call to worship. Now, I agree with my brother. Welcome to the village church. Welcome to all of our friends and family um, on the other side of the screens and those who will be fellowshipping with us in the word later in the week on the playback. Thank you for participating with us this morning. So our call to worship today is from the hymn, O Four Thousand Tongues, and please join with me where it reads, where it notes congregation and together. O Four Thousand Tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of his grace. My gracious master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of your name. To God, all glory, praise, and love be now and ever given by saints below and saints above, the church in earth and heaven. Amen. Please be seated. Our call to confession this morning is from Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's take a few moments now um, for a silent, a time of silent repentance.
our assurance of poverty. First John 2, verse uh, 12b. Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. Please bow now for a prayer of thanksgiving. Lord, um, we love you. Father, we thank you for all that you do, have done, are doing, and will do. And um, I am so guilty of, of just running this race my own way and, and not stopping to say thank you. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we we thank you for every breath in our bodies that we're able to take right now. We thank you that we can sit in this room or wherever we are. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you love us and that you're so generous towards us and so kind. We thank you for providing for our needs according to your riches and glory. Father, we thank you for having a, a plan of salvation for those who regularly spit in your face. We thank you, God, that we can cast our cares at your feet knowing that you care for us. We thank you for the spirit who prays because we don't know what to pray. He prays on our behalf. We thank you for your word and how it's true. And we can depend and stand firmly on the promises that lies within it. Thank you for being our light and our salvation. So we don't have to, to be afraid. Thank you for being our, our strong tower, for being our refuge and our banner. We thank you for family and for friends. We thank you for this church and the mission that you've given for leaders here. And even that sometimes is difficult, especially when we're dealing with people. It's difficult to be thankful <laughs> because... Um, we, we brussel up against each other in our brokenness. But we thank you. We thank you for the people that you bring into our lives to sanctify us, to use as a tool to sanctify us. Father, we thank you for this time where we can come together as one body, one people, your church, to just acknowledge your role in our lives, and to eat of your word. So we, we could keep going. We, we don't have enough words to say thank you. That's an inexhaustive list. There's so many things to be thankful for. But I, I just pray, God, you just accept this time, this, these, these feeble words that I have. Lord, and I'm sure every person in the sound of my voice has their own things that they're thankful for, God, and they are praying and they bring thanksgiving along with me. God, we just, we humbly offer these, these prayers to you, knowing that you hear them and that they rise to heaven like a sweet-smelling incense. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. this morning and let's return in faith to Matthew 14 verses 13 through 21. I'll read that for us. 
When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men besides women and children. you all are doing well today? Are you doing well today? Okay. All right. Come on now. Work with me here, please. I do my best. I do my best. Um, doubt is in everyone. Doubt is in everyone. Do y'all believe it? A late American Roman Catholic philosopher once said, "Doubt is not so much as so much a dividing line that separates people into different camps." As is as it is a razor edge that runs through every soul. Many believers tend to think doubters are, are given over to meaninglessness, moral confusion, and despair. And many doubters assume believers are non-thinking, dogmatic, judgmental moralizers. But the reality is we all have believing and doubting inside of us. We all have the same contradictory information to work with. We all have believing and doubting inside of us. Faith and doubt are inside of each of us. And this morning we're going to see both of them come face to face with each other in Matthew chapter 14 verses 13 through 21. We're going to see faith and, and doubt staring into each other's eyes on the street level of your life. And here's my big idea. If you take notes during the sermon, then this is the time to take a note or make a note. Faith in the way helps y'all not to live in doubt, but it does give you freedom to struggle with doubt. It's an amen statement. Faith in Jesus helps you not to live in doubt, but it does give you freedom to struggle with. Please pray with and for me. Father, no preacher, male or female, is, is adequate to stand before your people to deliver your word to them. We're not adequate in and of ourselves. We're not more righteous. We're not more holy than the congregation. We are recipients of grace. We're testimonies of grace just like everyone else. So that means we need Jesus too. We need mercy too. We need grace too. So my prayer is that my pride will 
would move to the side and that the Spirit would take over and bring glory to the name of Jesus. And that the Spirit would take of these words of mine and, and apply it to the minds and hearts of everyone here and everyone that's tuning in on, on virtually. Kids or adults, I pray that the preached word will minister to our hearts and minds. Preaching has no power apart from you, Spirit. Zero power if you don't move. You are the third person within the Godhead. You are um, the counselor. You are our deposit that guarantees our inheritance. You are the one who leads us into all truth. You are the helper. You are the one who reminds us of the words of Christ. You have a, a very, very important role in our life. And so my prayer and my plea is, is that you will, will move today in this place for our good and for the glory of our Redeemer and King. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Faith and doubt come face to face in our text today. Faith, sorry, faith and doubt comes face to face in all of us. And first we see they face each other in the inadequacies of our resources. Faith and doubt will face each other in the inadequacies of our resources. You see, on the street level of your life, and the street level of your life is the places where you truly live. And so on the street level of your life, you're, you're either working to accumulate adequate resources or you're working to maintain adequate resources. But eventually, you will encounter something on the street level of your life that reveals the truth about all those resources that you're trying to maintain and those resources you're trying to accumulate. Listen, we're, American, we're Americans, and we love accumulating stuff. But something, you will eventually encounter something, some experience, some pain, some conflict, some loss, some sickness, some hardship, some need will reveal the inadequacy of all those resources, that they can't meet that need of yours. That will happen to us. Kids, you might not know that yet, but eventually you will. And when that happens, where are you going to run when it happens? Who will you run to when it happens? Will you come to Jesus for help? And saints and guests, this is when faith and doubt come face to face in all of us. Because if we're honest, there are times in our life when we ask ourselves, is Jesus really going to help me this time? Is he really going to show up this time? I know he shows up for other people, but is he really going to show up for me? We witnessed this face-off between um, doubt and faith in, in verses 13 and 14. Uh, the face-off takes place after uh, Jesus and his disciples set sail for a desolate and quiet place. You see, they want solitude and some privacy. Jesus wants to get away from the noise uh, around him, particularly the noise from Governor Herod. They, they enter a, a boat and they sail away. That's what the text says. But a large crowd of people, they catch wind of the departure. And, and maybe the, the, these, the, these people, they, 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 they won't, they're, they're disappointed because Jesus leaves before they can get to him. And the crowd, they want to see Jesus. They desire to see Jesus because they recognize the inadequacy of their resources. They know that the resources they have can't fix what is broken in them. The resources can't make right what's wrong. And accumulating more resources won't work either. So they think to themselves, maybe Jesus can help us. We've heard the stories and reports about him. We've heard the stories and reports about his mighty preaching and his, and his mighty works. And we've heard stories about what he's done for other people and all the miracles he has done. And so maybe he can help us. Maybe he'll do the same for us. 
Will he do the same for us? Now begins this face-off between faith and, and doubt inside of them. We want Jesus to help us, but we're not sure he will. We believe, but we have some doubt. What about y'all? I know some of you have been Christians for a long time, holier than holy. Do you struggle with doubt still? And another question is, do you really see the inadequacy of your resources to truly meet the needs in your life? Because many of us, we accumulate things. We go to college and get education so we can accumulate more stuff. But are they really meeting your needs? And are, or do you find yourself saying, I believe, but help my unbelief. I, I believe, but I have some doubts about, about Jesus helping me with this particular need, this particular issue, this particular conflict. And here's the thing, saying, please receive this. Faith is not the absence of struggling with doubt. It's not. There's a big difference between struggling with doubt and living in it. It's a big difference. Living in doubt, it paralyzes you. It becomes COVID-19 to your soul. But struggling with doubt, it's just part of the journey. And remember the quote from the beginning. The reality is we all have believing and, and doubting inside of us. The crowd in the passage, they, they, they are doubting, but yet they're still determined to see Jesus. So determined, they end up following Jesus on foot. And remember, he's in a boat still on the way to a desolate place. And apparently the crowd somehow knows where Jesus and the disciples are going. I don't know how they got the information, but these people must be connected because they found out. So they found the information, they got it, and they do something with it. They use the information to follow Jesus. And they actually arrive at the destination before Christ did. Now they're waiting and expecting, waiting for Jesus' boat to arrive, waiting for Jesus to show up, expecting him to come soon and very soon. Are you waiting and expecting Jesus to show up? Are you expecting him to come? Where are you? This large crowd of people, they're not waiting for Jesus to come just so they can get his autograph. Because, you know, the fame of Christ is spreading throughout the area. That's not why they're there. They're not waiting on him to get a selfie with them. They're not waiting on him just to get a look. They want him to meet a need that their resources can't meet. So they're waiting, they're believing, but they're still struggling with doubt at the same time because they don't know for sure if he will help them, the face-off begins. So what can we glean from this? We can, I, I'll tell y'all, we can have faith that follow Jesus while struggling with doubt along the way. You say, amen. Do I need to bring out the signs? Right, I'm not, do I need to bring out the signs? Okay. We have a faith that you can have faith that expects Christ to show up while struggling with doubt at the same time. You can have faith that waits on Jesus while facing off with doubt. And remember, there's a difference between struggling with doubt and living it. It's a big difference. You see, the power of faith isn't in its purity. Take that in. The power of faith isn't in the person who has faith. Do you believe that? The power is in the object. Now, I can have faith that I can get my Monopoly money out of our game at home and go down to Best Buy to buy me a new object. I can have all the faith in the world that this money, when I go into Best Buy, it's going gonna, it's gonna to allow me to purchase what I want to. But if I go into Best Buy with Monopoly money, Am I coming out with anything? I, I have faith, though. I really believe that this monopoly money is real money. And if I go to Best Buy, I'm going to buy what I want. I'm not going to buy what I want. 
so the object of faith makes the faith powerful. So if the object is weak, your faith is weak. If your object is worthless, your faith is worthless. I don't care how much you believe. I don't care how many books you write about it, podcasts you have on it. It ain't real. It ain't real. So if the object of your faith is in your inadequate resources, then your faith is inadequate. But if Jesus is the object of your faith, then your faith is valuable and precious even when you're struggling with doubt. Because it's based upon who he is, not you. Jesus knows that we are but dust. We are the ones who forget that. So if we think when we get some education and we learn some theology, we become smart. But Jesus knows you. You are still dust. You are a work in progress. So he gives you the freedom to struggle with doubt. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? What do you say to yourself when you see people you know who are going to interrupt your day with their neediness? We all have those people in our life. Maybe you are that person. They interrupt your plans with their issues. Every time you see their name pop up on your phone, you're like, Lord, should I answer this or should I silence this? What is the Christian thing to do right now? They interrupt your rest with their stresses. They interrupt your schedule with their problems. I mean, sometimes they're actually waiting on you to show up. I mean, they're waiting on you at your desk when you get to work. They're waiting on you to get home so they can unload on you. Again, what do you say to yourself when the people in your life interrupt your day? Jesus' day is getting ready to get interrupted by this crowd who is waiting on him to arrive. Because remember, they're, they're, waiting on, they're waiting for him to come ashore. They're waiting on him to, to, meet the ina- to meet a need that the inadequate resources can't meet. And so, again, as they wait, where are Jesus and the disciples? They're on the boat sailing to the same destination. I'm sure Christ knows they're there, but the disciples do not. And so they're sailing to this place, this desolate place, this unpopulated place for rest. They're, they're, they're going there to get some solitude and some privacy. But the plan that they have is interrupted. When they arrive, they see a whole lot of people. And the large crowd have been waiting on Jesus, waiting on him to arrive, expecting him to arrive. Do you expect Christ to arrive? Do you, or do you really expect him to arrive? Or do you think he only arrives for other people? What do you believe? What do you really believe? Again, they, they haven't been waiting for him just so to get an autograph. They haven't been waiting for him just to get a look. They are waiting for Christ to come because they have a need that they can't fulfill themselves. And what is Christ going to do? What is his, how is he going to respond to this crowd interrupting his day and his plan? His response is different from ours. Please know that. Jesus is like us, and he's very different than us, too. He welcomes people to interrupt him with their needs, their issues, their problems, and their stresses. He's never too busy. He's never too busy. But do you believe that? He wants people to come to him. He wants y'all to come to him. Do you come? It could be the first time you come because you don't know him. You come for the first time in faith, and you can know him, and you still come. If you think being a Christian means you're going to grow into needing less of Jesus, then that's not Christianity at all. As you grow in your faith, you realize how much you need him. Because you cannot grow closer to holiness and see how far you are from it. Do you see your need of him? Just as much as you did when you first came. 
in faith. His response to these people shows us that his nonverbal communication is just as powerful and loving as his spoken communication. So we focus on all the red print in our Bibles. But have you ever just looked at his nonverbal communication to people? Verse 14 tells us Jesus sees a great crowd when he gets out of the boat. And I don't want you to gloss over that. I don't want you to look past his, his initial response. Do you know why? It's hard connecting with people if you don't see them first. It's hard. The eyes of Jesus is on the crowd. He doesn't look past them or through them. He doesn't walk by them to get to his rest, to to get to his privacy, to have his solitude. He doesn't ignore them. He sees them. And he sees you. Do you know that he sees you? The real you. And he still loves you. Have you ever just thought about it? Jesus sees me. And, and I don't have to hide with him. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to code switch. I can be me. Listen to these lyrics from one Christian song. It's, it's called The Eyes of Jesus. Sometimes it seems God's a million miles away, too busy for a creature such as I. But then I think of how he sees each sparrow fall. I call on him and find that he's close. The eyes of Jesus are upon each footstep I take. His ears are always open when I pray. His hands are always there to help lift my heavy load. The eyes of Jesus are on you. They're on you. The eyes of Christ upon this great crowd. And he looks upon them, not with eyes of judgment. Everyone has a judgmental look when they see something they don't like. That's not what Christ is doing here. He looks upon them with eyes of compassion. Like I said, his nonverbal communication is powerful and loving. He sees the crowd, and then he feels compassion. Compassion is not intellectual, okay? This is something that, that moves in you emotionally. He has empathy for them. Empathy. And as one of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, says, empathy is a strange and powerful thing. There's no strip. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's, simp- it's, it, it's simply listening, holding space, with, withholding judgment, emotionally connecting, and communicating that is incredibly communicating this incredible message, you are not alone. You are not alone. The eyes of Christ, his eyes of compassion, his eyes of empathy is communicating to this crowd. They're not alone in their issues, problems, brokenness, and need. And that message, he communicates that same message to each of you today. You are not alone even when you feel like you're alone. You're not alone. You're not alone even when you're struggling with doubt about his presence. It's there, saints. He's always there. He will cast a compassionate eye upon you, and he will move towards you to meet the needs that your inadequate resources cannot meet. Because at some point on the street level of your life, your resources will prove to be inadequate. They will be. At some point, each of you are going to experience some loss, some hardship, some pain that your money, your education, your connections, your intelligence, your families, your gifts, and your talents can't help with. But Jesus can. Because at the end of the day, who's your real savior? At the end of the day, who's your real king? Who's your real savior? Who's your real king at the end of the day? Our confessional life and our functional life have to be the same. 
Because when we get together, yeah, Jesus is my Savior. We confess it. But come next week, you're confessing other Saviors. Because functionally, you live inconsistently. We all do. He'll show up and he'll show out for his glory, for your good. Somehow he, he'll minister to, to all your needs, just like he does for this crowd. And in the passage here, look at verse 14. It says, when he went ashore, he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Jesus knows why the people are there. He knows their need. He knows their resources are inadequate to meet it. And he does something about it. He heals their sick without them even asking him to do so. You don't have to beg Jesus to be Jesus. You don't have to beg Jesus to come to you. He's going to come. Like, it's who he is. He's going to come. In fact, he's already here. He's here in your marriage. He's here with your kids. He's here in your relationships. He's here in his church. He's here. And him being here is not dependent upon your belief. Because if that's the case, then he's nothing more than just a Santa Claus, an Easter bunny. If it's dependent upon your belief for him to be who he is. He's more than that. Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. What we have here in these verses is is prescriptive. It's not prescriptive, but it's descriptive. I mean, we have a description of what it looks like for Christ to, to meet our physical needs. See, he's still able to heal physically. He's still able to heal sickness if that's what he wants to do. And if he doesn't heal the sickness, he'll come to give you what you need to persevere. He will not leave you hanging. He will not leave you hanging. He will not abandon you. He hasn't rescued you from the pits of sin to just cast you out and to leave you hanging. To say, now you're on your own. I've done my part. Heck, I died. What did you do? Now that's all up to you. That's not how Jesus is. That's not the Savior that the Bible tells us about. He's still with you all through this. The word even says, even now, he intercedes on our behalf. So you're either drawing closer to him or you're running towards something else on the street level of your life. Saints and guests, you can, faith can believe this even if doubt is present. Faith can believe Christ cares while, while, while struggles with doubt is still there. Faith can confess that Christ will make a way out of no way while we still struggle with doubt. Again, he knows that we are but dust. He knows that doubt and faith will face off in us. Because there's, there's no doubt in Jesus. Jesus knows us. He knows our reality. He knows it. He knows it. And so I think that the, the confession that we all need to learn to confess as Christians is this. I believe but help my unbelief. That's a confession. You, can, you need to confess that on your street level of your life, functionally, and you need to confess it right now here today. I, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. That is the Christian life. Because we ain't in glory yet. On this side of heaven, you will struggle. You will struggle. But that's okay. You're not alone. We have struggled together. In verse 15, the disciples finally insert themselves into what's happening. Because, again, it's been a long day. The initial plans, again, was to, 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 to get some rest. It was to take a break from ministry. And also now it's getting late. It's getting close to dinner time. And the people are getting hungry. And the time, and, the, and it's time for Jesus to send the crowd away. And this is what the disciples come to him and say. This is a desolate place, Lord. The day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. That is a logical suggestion. It makes sense. They've been, he's been, they've been ministering all day. Jesus has been healing the sick. And, and now it's time for the people to go home. It's time for them to go back. To, to their homes, it's time for them to go get food for themselves. 
See, it doesn't cross the disciples' mind that maybe they should provide a meal for the people. They're like, we've done our jobs. We've ministered. Jesus healed. Now they need to go home, and now we need to eat and get some rest. The attention of the story now is get ready to move away from the crowds to be placed on the disciples. We're going to see faith and doubt face off inside of them, actually inside the 12 people who, who were the closest to Jesus. We're going to see them acknowledge the inadequacy of their resources. When Christ asked them to do something, they doubt it's possible. Jesus counters their suggestion with a no, with one of his own. He commands the disciples to give the people food to eat. Look at verse 16. But Jesus, that's aversive, he says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. They don't need to go away. You 12 give the people something to eat. Now, can you imagine what the 12 disciples are feeling right now? Because it ain't like it's just 20 people, you know, that they're ministering to. This is over 5,000. More than 5,000 people here. And Jesus wants them to, to feed every one of them. So they're feeling fearful. They're feeling insecure. They're feeling inadequate. They feel helpless, and they feel overwhelmed because it's like, just, just like you would. They know, the 12 know, it, it's impossible to feed all these people with a limited supply of food. That Their resources are inadequate. And they say to Jesus, we only got five loaves of bread and two fish here. Like, like come on, Jesus. We, we don't have enough food to feed them and ourselves. We better have enough for us. We can't feed these people, Lord. It can't be done. Why are you commanding us to do something you know we can't do? Please send the crowd away and get food for themselves. Do you see the, the doubt that they're struggling with? And right now, some of you are struggling with doubt just like the 12. You're, you're staring at some responsibility facing some project, working on some task, serving in some ministry, engaging in some relational conflict, and all you have is five loaves of bread and two fishes. Two fish. That's all you got. And do you know what that means on the street level of your life? Is you trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents, and you can't make it happen. Faith and doubt creeps in. So what are you going to do now? What are you going to do with those inadequate resources? What are you going to do with those five loaves of bread, five loaves of bread and two fish? How in the world are you going to make a dollar out of 15 cents? What are you going to do with it? Where are you going to go? Jesus commands the 12 to bring the resources to him. And he commands y'all to do the same. Because what's impossible with you is always possible with Jesus. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you really believe what's impossible with you is still possible with Jesus? Or have you just been Americanized by everything? Is Jesus still allowed to do something you can't explain? Is, still, is he still allowed to, to work miracles? Is he still allowed to do things that don't fit into your systematic theology book? Is he still allowed to do things that your famous, your famous preacher don't preach about? He's able to use your inadequate resources for his glory. For his glory. He's able to multiply those five loaves of bread and two fish to accomplish his purpose. And he can make a dollar out of 15 cents because he's Jesus. Because the word says he is able to do far or more abundantly than we can ask or can. He says to the disciples, bring the five loaves of bread and two fish to me. Then he orders the crowd of people to sit down. He wants them to recline on the grass so they can break bread together. And so Jesus looks up to heaven. He, he blesses the food and, and he blesses the inadequate resources. And that blessing, it actually multiplies the five loaves of bread and two fish. And everything, and the disciples give food to everybody and everybody eats. I can tell you, I, I don't understand that. <laughs> First of all, I don't understand how all 12 of them passed out all the food either. But the Bible says it's so, and so I believe it. And so everybody eats and, and is satisfied, and there's food left over. 
You know what that means, right? But ain't got the paper plates and aluminum foil because we got food to take home. Faith can trust Jesus with the impossible while doubt is still present. Faith can bring inadequate resources to Jesus while struggling to believe that he can really use them. Faith believes Jesus can still work miracles while facing off with doubt. But do you believe? Salesman and motivational speaker um, Zig Ziglar once said, the first step in solving a problem is to recognize that it does exist. The first step in solving a problem is to recognize that it does exist. Jesus asked the great physician, he recognizes that there's a great problem facing the crowd that they don't know about. He knows it exists even if they don't know about it. He knows it exists even if you don't know about it, even if the people today don't know about it. Because our greatest sickness definitely is sin, our personal sin, and the sin placed on us by other people. And our greatest problem is being separated from a holy God. And our greatest struggle is living with the consequences of the fall. And Jesus comes to heal all three of those by his life, his death, and his resurrection. That's what he came to do. In Matthew 9, Christ says to some of the Pharisees, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, Jesus meets the greatest need by sacrificing himself upon a cross in your place to atone for all your sins. And the only way to get this healing is through saving faith in him. Romans 9 verses 10, Romans 10 verses 9 through 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one but one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And then if you go to Romans 8, verse 32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also through him graciously give us all things? Do you know what that means? Do you know what that really means? If Christ can handle your sins, don't you think he can handle what you're currently dealing with? Don't you think he can meet your current needs? If he can handle your sin, don't you think he can he can use your inadequate resources for his glory, your weaknesses, your failures? Because if he made a way for that, then he's got you. He has you. He's with you. And so this is why God is always calling Israel to remember that he delivered them out of Egypt. Don't forget what I've done for you. And so you need to remember what he done for you the first time that you believe. Because when you remember, you realize if he did this, then I know he got this. No, he got this. We are we we from one struggle to the next, we forget Jesus' faithfulness. Every time we enter into a struggle or a need, or we meet something we feel like we can't do, we say, Man, I, I, this time, this is gonna be the time he lets me down. We forget his past faithfulness. There's no doubt in Jesus. There's no doubt in the way. And your struggles with doubt won't prevent him from ministering to your needs, nor will it prevent him from using your inadequate resources for his glory and purposes. Jesus knows that believing and doubting is inside all of you, and he has given you freedom to struggle with it because your belief doesn't make your faith work. Christ does. Faith focuses on him, not on you. I don't know your goodness, on your performance, on even your failures. Faith is you staring back into Jesus' eyes. 
We're going to get into more of that next week with Peter walking on water. One hymn says, Jesus cast a look upon me. Give me sweet simplicity. Make me poor and keep me low, seeking only thee to know. Make me like a little child. Now, this is some, some of us need to be like this. Make me like a little child. Oh, my strength and wisdom scroll, seeing only in thy light, walking only in thy might, leaning on thy loving breast, where a weary soul can rest, feeling well the peace of God, flowing from his precious blood. That is Jesus. That is who he is for you. And so as he reaches his hands out to you, just grab hold of them, saints. Know that he is for you and not against you. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, that in you a weary soul can rest. We can feel the peace of God. We can, we can lean on your love and breath because we know that you're for us and not against us. And so my prayer is that as we go out into the world for one more week, as we face the things that we're going to face, as we face the reality of, of, of not being able to meet our own needs, as we face the realities of our own struggles, pray that, pray that Holy Spirit, you will help us to see that Jesus is with us, in front of us, behind us, to our right, and to our left. He's got us covered. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Will you please stand for the Lord's benediction? Again, if you are a guest joining us, thank you so much for being with us. And for those of you that are tuning in online, thank you so much for being with us. Also, the youth will be meeting with uh, Mr. Lyle. I, th- I just saw his truck pull by, so I think he's going to be in the back. So it will be a good time of fellowship for our youth. And also, next Sunday at 5 p.m., we will be having our congregational meeting. So if you're a member of the Village Church, please come. Guests, you're more than welcome to attend. But we are, we, all, we need all members to be here or at least tuning in over Zoom. Now, here's God's benediction to his beloved sons and daughters. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all and all God's people said. Hey, thank you. <laughs>